We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. We're going to use this episode to focus solely on the trade deadline. Coming up on Thursday, February 10th, the NBA trade deadline is upon us, and that typically creates the urgency required to get deals done. We've already seen a couple of trades, one infamous one where the Blazers decided to give the Clippers great players or good players, I should say, out of the kindness of their hearts. Still don't understand why they did that. Uh, and then another one that saw the Indiana Pacers actually get some some trade value for Karis LeVert in terms of future assets. Got some picks and, and things of that nature. Um, so some interesting stuff going on already. I do expect more activity coming up by the trade deadline. But today, we're going to focus on the Lakers and what they can do on the trade market. Joining me is Ron Gutterman from LakersNation.com. Ron, let's talk trade. Yep, let's do it. I mean, this is a... This was slated to be a pretty hectic trade deadline um, just because there's there's a lot of guys that are on the block and a lot of teams that are interested in improving themselves ahead of the playoffs. Um, so this is a really interesting trade deadline and hopefully there's a lot of fireworks in these last three days. I think that there's another element to this too, and that's the offseason that's coming. This free agency class, it's awful. It's bad. And I don't mean the players are necessarily bad. I mean, in terms of depth, there just isn't much there. There's not much. So if you're a team and you're looking to improve, you're looking ahead to the summer and you're thinking, okay, there's not, there's not much. It's slim pickings in the summer. There's also not a lot of cap space. So any team that's looking to change something on their roster, they're probably going to have to do it on the trade market. And so I think that could help to ignite the trade market, whether it's in the summer or now, it, it might be something where you've got so many teams that feel like they're still involved in the play in tournament mix that they're loathe to trade away talent. And so that might create a situation where you don't have enough teams ready to offload players at the trade deadline right now. I'm just throwing this out there. It's possible that could create a slower trade deadline here, but then a busier trade market in the off season. But you never know. You never know. All it takes is is two teams to to tango here. Uh, one phone call can start to get things done. And I think that enough teams want to make moves that if some of the teams that are willing to trade away talent 
are able to come off their asking price just a little bit, we might see some fireworks. Yeah, I think that that's what this comes down to is who's going to bite first? Will the will the buyers bite first and overpay or will the sellers bite first and sort of lower what they're asking for in exchange for some of their best players? And if we were to categorize the Lakers, of course, they're going to be in the buyers category. This is a win now team. They're going to be doing what they can to try to maximize their potential. Now, obviously, the team has not performed how we thought. As of this moment, they are sitting in the ninth seed in the Western Conference. We had this team pegged as a one of the best teams in the West. In fact, they were the betting favorite to come out of the Western Conference, the second highest odds to win the NBA championship this year. And ironically, both the Lakers and the team that had the highest odds to win the championship, the Brooklyn Nets, they're both, as of this moment, in the play-in tournament if the playoffs were to start today. So both teams have some incentive to try to get a move done. But again, we're going to focus here on the Lakers. So we know that the Lakers' trade assets are essentially what we've come to call on the front office show, uh, which you guys can definitely subscribe to. It's uh, There's a link in the comment section. But what we've come to describe as the package. Right, It's Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, the 2027 first round pick. From what we've heard, the Lakers have been offering that to a number of different teams around the NBA, trying to gauge what they could get in return. Is that wise of the Lakers to do, Ron? Is that what you think they should be doing right now is potentially offloading these younger-ish players? I know we haven't seen Kendrick Nunn and a pick that's that far out to land a piece right now. You know, it, it it all depends on the piece, right? Um, I think there are certain players where you say, absolutely, that, you know, future assets, whatever, this guy helps you win now and maybe for the next two or three years. Whereas some guys you say, okay, that doesn't improve things enough to, to you know, get rid of what, what little assets you have left. So, you know, a guy that's been talked about a bunch is Jeremy Grant. Uh, he's probably not attainable with that package. Although uh, the trade market on him has appeared to quiet a little bit. Um, at least just there hasn't been the same level of rumors. Uh, you know, there were teams like the Hawks and and whatever that were, that were interested, but it's kind of faded a little bit. But even still, that's probably not enough to land a guy like Grant. And so, um, sorry, sorry, got a notification. Just going to pause for a second. Anything big? I didn't see anything here. No, no, no. Just got to just I, I forget to turn off. Do not disturb on my laptop sometimes. Sometimes sometimes oh, a text okay. rolls across my face. All good. As I'm talking. All good. Just a little behind the scenes here, everybody. Maybe I'll cut this out. I haven't even decided yet. But in, in case I don't, just a little behind the scenes. This time of year, at trade deadline time, we are all on like red alert. Right, all the time. In fact, Ron, you were on with me live during the offseason. Or no, we weren't live, we were recording during the offseason when the Russell Westbrook trade broke to the Lakers. Um, and so you got our our real live reaction to that. We put that out on social media. But um, so we're all on high alert right now, waiting because at any moment trade news could break. It could be in the middle of this of this podcast. So when Ron stops to say, just I, I got a notification, that's for all of us. We all have notifications on to make sure we don't miss what's going on, whether it's myself, whether it's Keith, whether it's Ryan Ward, Daniel Stark, anybody else that's with, that's with us and around the NBA too, NBA media right now, we are all just on pins and needles waiting for things to break. Yeah. So no, this was just a text that sometimes I forget to turn off. Do not disturb on my, uh, on my laptop, so a text will come across and I, I get caught up reading it. But like I was saying about Jeremy Grant, 
the Lakers package, probably not enough uh, to land him. But if you could, that's one of those where you say, you know what, that's worth it. Jeremy Grant is a really talented player in his prime. He helps you for at least the next two years, maybe more. Uh, he wants a long-term extension. So, you know, like that's a type of guy you do that for. I could also say the same for Miles Turner. He's young in his prime. He's a really good player. But then you start to get into some of the lesser names that we've heard, and it's, you know, Eric Gordon, Terrence Ross, um, stuff like that. That's where you start to say, maybe this isn't worth parting with what little assets you have because Eric Gordon, Terrence Ross, these are fine players. Eric Gordon's a little better than Terrence Ross, but they're fine players, but they don't turn the Lakers from they're not really performing well to, okay, now they're championship contenders again, just like that. They don't do that. Yes, and I think I think you're touching upon something really key here. The Lakers have to have a very deliberate line drawn. Players above this line, and maybe I'm picturing a list on a whiteboard. <laughs> Sorry, Orlando Magic. It's always a Sorry, Orlando Magic. Uh, but I'm picturing a list on the whiteboard. Don't take a picture of a guy signing his contract in front of the whiteboard that has all of your offseason plans. Just that's what I'm referencing there. But um, that happened in Orlando Magic years ago. But I'm picturing a list and you have to have a list of players that are above that line players that if, Hey, if in order to get this guy, we have to go all in. And that means THT Kendrick Nunn and the first were a yes, we would do that for these guys. And then you want to have a list of targets below that line where, you know what, if we could get this player and maybe we don't have to put in the first, or maybe instead of, instead of THT, there's some other way financially to make it, to make it work, whatever, right? Um, that's, you've got to have a separate list there. These are guys that we wouldn't go all in to get, but for the right price, we're interested in these guys. And the Lakers have to be very deliberate in this because they can't just go around saying, this is the package and first team to give us something that we're interested in done deal because we're desperate to make a trade. I think that's also key. Trading mentality is really, really important around the NBA. And a lot of teams are going to see the Lakers and maybe rightfully so, as desperate. They know this is not where the team wants to be right now. They know the Lakers probably need to make some changes in order to get to where they want to go. And teams are going to try to take advantage of that. So the Lakers have got to be a little bit careful too. I, I've said this a ton, probably to the point where our viewers and listeners are sick of it, but no trade is not as bad as a bad trade. So not making a trade is not as bad as making a bad trade. You can actually set the franchise back. You can make things worse at the trade deadline. And you know there are teams out there that will look to prey upon the Lakers right now and try to get them to do something dumb out of desperation. I think you've got to have, you you got to be careful if you're the Lakers that you don't rush into doing something just because of where they're at currently in the standings. Yeah, and I, I've been relatively critical of Rob Palenka recently, and I, I would say one of one of his biggest faults, and he does have positives as a GM, he does have positives as an executive overall, but I would say one of his big, the big criticisms I would have of him is he's too quick to make a move. Um, he Even if the process is correct on some of those moves, uh, he's just a little too quick to pull the trigger on things. You know, he wins a championship, and then he overhauls half the roster in an attempt to get younger. When that fails, he overhauls the roster again in an attempt to get more star power. You know, th this is, we have a few years of a body of evidence now to say, 
no trade is better than a bad trade because we've seen what the bad trade can do and how far it can set you back. So especially a guy like Rob Palenka needs to be careful here and not make a bad deal because we've just seen what that does. There's, there's some element of the unknown to every trade, right? You look back um, the off, two off seasons ago, Dennis Schroeder for a first round pick and Danny Green, and it was the 28th pick. At the time, I said, that's great value. That's great value. Dennis Schroeder was the runner-up to six-man of the year at that time. You're getting a really good guy that can really help you right now. His skill set is needed by the Lakers. He's somebody that can handle the basketball, help get you through when LeBron's not playing, all this stuff. We talked all about it. And in hindsight, it was a bad trade. It didn't work out for the Lakers. You'd rather have Danny Green and, oh my goodness, Desmond Bain right now. That's who they could have picked. You'd rather have those guys right now by a mile, but at the time, the trade looked good. That is that is inherent. That risk is inherent with any trade, but you've got to be careful that you don't do something that is out of desperation, that even at the time you do it, looks bad. Like right now, who knows? Maybe the Blazers trade that they made will wind up looking good at some point, but right now, that trade looks bad, and most likely a year from now, it'll probably still look bad. Again, there's always the chance that things work out and the flexibility, they do something with it. Okay. But the Lakers are going to be given opportunities to make bad deals from teams and they have to be very careful that they they are able to differentiate between the bad moves that are going to hurt them and what's a good move. And I know that sounds very simple and very easy, but it's often not in the NBA because there's a lot going on here beyond just is this player good at basketball? The contracts, the length of that contract, how the player fits in, all of these sorts of things all factor into whether or not a trade winds up being good and bad. But Ron, I want to go back to this this list, this hypothetical list. Who is it? If we're putting a, a line, who's above the line for you? Guys that you would, that we've heard that are out there on the market, guys that you would give up, THT, Kendrick Dunn, and the first four. Uh, Jeremy Grant, no-brainer. Miles Turner, also kind of a no-brainer. Um, this won't happen because of tensions between the organizations, but I think either of Buddy Heald or Harrison Barnes, I would do this for. Um, trying to think who else is you know uh, available. Would you uh, Eric uh, Gordon? Is he above or, or below the line there? No, I think he's like right below the line. He's one of those where if you can get him without giving up the first. Or if you can get him with, well, it'd have to be THT, but if you can get him without giving up the first, okay, now I'm more interested. Mm -hmm. But if you're giving up both, then I would say he's right below the line. So that's, I think, like, Buddy Heald is right above the line. Eric Gordon's right below the line. Okay, that's fair. Understand that. Um, and by the way, I don't think making the money work on a Buddy Heald trade, it's really tough because he's at $22 million. So just logistically you getting that done? I need to add, like, two minimums to that, I think. Yes, right. Which, I mean, yeah. the other thing, the other piece to this, I've had people, by the way, guys, you know, my my DMs on Twitter are open, on Instagram, they're open. I've been bombarded, and I, I love it, don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining here, but I've had so many people send me, what do you think about this trade? How about this trade? They'd, they'd have to say yes to this. Most of the trades have involved Russell Westbrook, I will say, but I've been getting a lot of trades in there, and I've seen some people sending through deals saying, Oh, we're going to stack up. It's going to be THT, Kendrick Nunn, DeAndre Jordan, Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, throwing in another, like all of these guys stacked up for like one player. And 
teams right now in the off season, in theory, maybe sometimes these things can work. Teams still don't typically want to do that. But when teams have more roster spots available, that can happen. Right now, it's difficult for some teams to do a, a trade that's that unbalanced in terms of players going in and coming out because they just don't have that many open roster spots to absorb all those players. So that's something that you have to factor in too when you're looking at stuff like this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, you also have to remember that you cannot cut a player coming in on a trade. So let's say the Kings, whatever, agree to Buddy Heald for THT, none, the first, and two veteran minimum guys. That's four players coming in for one one player going out. That's three roster spots they need to clear. They cannot just waive DeAndre Jordan and Kent Bazemore and call it a day. They need to waive three players on their current roster, take in the three extra players, and only then could they cut the three players and bring back their old three players. That's a really like difficult maneuver that I don't even I'm not even 100 percent sure is legal. Um, but that's that's like a really difficult thing that teams just don't want to do. So if you're doing that type of trade, you need to also come up with three players on that roster that that team would consider completely expendable. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and that's really difficult. It's really tough, especially because these guys are on guaranteed. It's not like the NFL where you cut a guy and, okay, see you later. There goes his salary. No, you if you if you decide, like, for example, people have said, well, why don't the Lakers just wave DeAndre Jordan? Sure, they can, but they're still going to pay him for the rest of the year. He's still going to sit on their books. They're still going to pay the luxury tax on that money. So you have to be willing to, if you're a team that's going to say, okay, well, just cut three players and take on three of our veteran minimum guys. Okay, but that team would have to be getting enough in return out of the trade to make it worth it to pay three players to go play for somebody else while paying the new players coming in too. That alone can derail trade talks sometimes when we're looking at this stuff. And I think it's something that sometimes we don't pay enough attention to when we're sending out our, which it's a blast, mm -hmm. but when we're sending out our fake trade pro proposal, sometimes we don't, we don't pay enough attention to that element. Yeah, and I think kind of going back to our, our list idea, uh, also the Kings are just probably not interested in dealing with the Lakers. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think there's just a little bit of bad blood there from the offseason. Uh, the Kings were all but certain the Lakers were taking Buddy Heald and Kyle Kuzma and Montrezl Harrell were headed their way. Um, and at the last second, Rob pulled the rug from under them and that that kind of stuff sticks. Um, you know, it's another thing about Rob, the Rob Palenka that I think 
you could say is a, is a negative is that he negotiates like an agent where he sort of is like, I'm just, I'm just doing what's best for me and my clientele. Um, and if I, if I have to screw you over in the process, I have no problem with that. And that, that doesn't so much work when you're an executive as opposed to an agent that works great when you're an agent, but it doesn't work great when you're an executive. We've heard those rumblings that Rob Palenka isn't well regarded around the league, that maybe there's some lingering resentment from his time as an agent and things like that. And that, that may impact the Lakers and their, their trade opportunities. But I think it's interesting that you characterize Rob as a guy who pulls the trigger too fast on trades. He's kind of the anti Danny, Danny Ainge in that way, right? Where he finds the anti Jack as well. Yes. Yep. Good point. The anti cup Jack as well. He's a guy who finds ways to get things done. But then sometimes you go back and you say, oh, maybe you shouldn't have done that, right? You didn't need to do that, yeah. So that's that's kind of where it is with the Kings, too. And so that's when I say Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald are over that line of I would do this, I would do it, Rob Palinka would do it, I just don't think the Kings would do it. I think Harrison Barnes would be a great fit. If you could figure out a way, Perfect. I would put Harrison Barnes ahead of Buddy Heald. In, in a list of targets, if I was the Lakers, if you could somehow get the Kings to be willing to deal with the Lakers, I would I would target Harrison Barnes before Buddy Heald. Yeah, absolutely. Harrison Barnes is in the same vein as Jeremy Grant, an, an absolutely perfect fit in terms of you see what you see the impact Trevor Ariza has when he's even halfway decent. And Harrison Barnes and Jeremy Grant are, you know, at this point in their careers, they're multitudes better than Trevor Ariza at the same role. So you you see how much impact that would have. What about Miles Turner? That's another name that's out there. And my I've been thinking of this in terms of okay, if you're going to trade away Taylor Horton Tucker, one of the ways that you kind of ease the pain of doing that because let's face it, they don't have that many young players is if you can get a guy back who's also fairly young. Miles Turner fits that bill. Now he's dealing with a foot injury already. We've heard maybe around the end of the month he'll be back, maybe, right? And and big man foot injury, that's that's scary. That's scary. That might be even enough for you to just say, nah, no, thank you. We're we're out for now. If he gets healthy, we'll revisit this summer. But for the time being, we're out. And maybe that's that may be the correct path. So I'm not saying all in trade for Miles Turner here. I'm saying there, there's some real concerns here with this injury. But if the Lakers believe that Miles Turner's just fine. What do you think about him as a target? I know he's a guy that you said would be above that that line, a guy that you go all in to get. Is he the right fit? Is he that piece that you think would take the Lakers to the next level? Yeah, I think I think he would. And I think the injury might, and, and you make a great point that a big man with a foot injury, that might be enough by itself to just say, you know what, we'll pass and we'll revisit this offseason if he's healthy. But the foot injury might also be the only reason the Lakers are able to afford him, right? So maybe the Pacers are saying, mm, we're not too sure about this injury, and we don't really want to wait until the offseason. We don't want to figure that out later. Let's just trade him now. And the Lakers might be able to say, well, we're, we're willing to take that risk for THT, none, and the first. And that all of a sudden becomes a better offer than what some other teams who are more hesitant may be offering. So that's kind of this might be your only chance to get a guy like him with what you have. Um, that's sort of how I mm -hmm. see it. And I think it's worth the gamble. He's a young player. I think he'll recover just fine. 
again, not a doctor. Uh, we talked about this in the last in our in our video about Kendrick Nunn. I'm not a doctor, uh, but I think he'll be just fine, and I think that's worth that's a worthwhile risk. If you're if you're the Lakers, is Miles Turner or just forget Miles? Just a big. Is that really what you need right now as a team? Or would this just be a, this is a gettable talent upgrade, even though he isn't exactly what the team needs at this moment? Yeah, I think, um, I think, yeah, big men, it's tough, right? Because centers, you don't want to give up a ton of assets for centers. You have Anthony Davis, who when he's at his best, as he has been, that's your center. And you have one of the best centers in the league. Um, But Miles Turner sort of gives you a similar identity to what they had when they won the championship, which is swarm teams in the paint, suffocate them, don't even let them get a shot up, and then run. And I think Miles Turner is like one of the very few centers in the league that fits that description where he can he can swallow you up at the rim, he's going to stop any shots, he'll block anything, and then he's fast enough to get down the court and hit a spot up three in the corner or get to the rim. This is kind of like what he does. And he's obviously not this, he's not like a game changer best player. And like, he, he's just, he's a really solid center that does a lot of things that would help the Lakers. I like the talent. If I had my choice though, I'm looking for a wing. I, I think that's what the Lakers need most is another big wing. But we saw, you mentioned the success of Trevor Ariza uh, in, in a recent game against the Knicks. I think the Lakers need even more wing depth. You've got Stanley Johnson, you've got Trevor Reza, Carmelo Anthony battling an injury. LeBron can play on the wing, but they're also asking him to play the five. I think you need more wing depth. So if the Lakers, and they may not have the choice here, but if the Lakers have a choice between a wing and a big, like a Miles Turner, I'm leaning wing. I think if we if we forget the names of the players who are out there and just say, what is it the Lakers need? I think you need a wing player who can play defense and shoot threes, which... I mean, it's hard to find. A lot of teams are looking for the for that. But and by wing, I mean a guy who could potentially float even between the four and the five would probably be ideal. Um finding that is going to be tough. I don't know if that's Miles Turner, because I think he can get exploited and pick and roll a little bit too much. But it could be a scenario where the talent upgrade is great enough that you just say, let's let's give this a shot and we're going to play bigger and, and off we go. Yeah, of course, right? Like I, I'm also of the belief that a wing is what the team needs the most. But it's if we're taking these as isolated cases, would you do this for Miles Turner? I say yes. Now, if it's pick between Miles Turner and Harrison Barnes, okay, I probably take Harrison Barnes. But I don't think the Lakers are going to have that <laughs> have that luxury. I think it's going to be uh, take it or leave it type of deals uh, presented to them. Uh, so I think. That's kind of where they are. So if it's a take it or leave it, these three assets for Miles Turner, now you go ahead and do it. But yeah, of course, if you have the choice, you get the wing. Okay, let's talk Russell Westbrook because you knew we were going to land here at some point. Russell Westbrook, it has not gone according to plan. It's not worked out. Okay, He's had some good performance. It was, what, a week ago when he was the lone guy in Charlotte and he went nuts. He had his best game of the season. What do you have, 35 points? And he looked fantastic. And then against the Knicks in overtime, he had what I think was his worst performance of the season. And it was so bad that he got benched at the end of the first half. He got benched in overtime. And I think you can make a strong argument that had he been benched in the fourth quarter, the Lakers would have even had to go to overtime. You would have just finished it in regulation. That's how bad Russell Westbrook was. 
But again, that was probably his worst performance. And we also saw in a short time his best performance. The bottom line, big picture, he hasn't fit the way the Lakers wanted him to. Is there a way, because you know Lakers fans are asking, is there a way to move him at the deadline here? Yes, there is a way. Uh, It's called giving up your 2027 first for nothing. That's the way, right? Like that's, and that's all the rumors we've been hearing is if you want Russell Westbrook gone that badly, you give up the 2027 first for nothing and you get John Wall back. um, And John Wall is arguably a better fit. He's a worse player, but arguably a better fit. He's a little more of a willing defender, um, a little bit more of a willing passer. He, his spot up shot is like ticks better, not much, but like ticks Mm -hmm. better. Um, so he's maybe a slightly better fit next to LeBron and AD, but is he so much better that I'd rather pay him $47 million next year versus Russ, and I don't have a 2027 first? To me, that's absolutely not. Just ride it out, trade Russ for nothing at, in the summer, and and figure it out from there, because that's, that's a really difficult proposition of giving up a very distant, unprotected future first. I think we've hit an interesting point here in the Lakers season in terms of what you need out of Russell Westbrook now. The rise of Malik Monk has very much changed things in terms of what what you want the other guard out there to do. If Malik Monk is now the ball handler in pick and roll situations, Malik Monk is now your floor spacer, Malik Monk is now your go-to scorer, or maybe your third scorer alongside LeBron and AD, that's another shift to Westbrook's role. And ideally, you would find a way to move him, but his contract makes it really difficult. If if Russ was making $10 million, we'd be talking about trade options right now. We'd be talking about, well, can you send him here? Can you send him there? What team will be willing to take him? But at $44 million, $47 million next season, it's just the price is going to be so steep to move him. I think if there's an opportunity, the Lakers absolutely need to look at it. And I mean, even if it's an opportunity just to sp- slice up his salary into smaller contracts, if there's a way, because I think those will be more movable, um, later on during the off season. So I think they have to explore it, but I'm not expecting a deal here for Russ. I think for most, most likely the Lakers will have him for at least the remainder of this season. And then we'll see what they can do during the off season. I've got a lot of Lakers fans that are saying, if you keep Russ, that's it game over. That's the end of your season that he's that big of a detriment. Now, again, this is coming on the heels of his worst game, but I think that the Lakers have, are just going to have to try to figure out a way to make it work with him, try to get something positive out of him on the floor, while also understanding that the needs of the team and getting the win is always going to supersede getting a great game out of Russell Westbrook. So if that means Westbrook on the bench, that's what it's going to mean. If that means Russ standing in the corner, that's what it means. It's The Lakers can't worry about how do we get the best out of Russ anymore. You do what you can to try to get there. But that's no longer a priority. The priority has to be winning games right now, even if that comes at the expense of Russ. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, you talked about if Russ was making $10 million, this would be a much different conversation. If Russ was making $44 million, but it was only for this year, it would be a much different conversation. I think if, if this was the last year of his deal, it was $44 million and then you're done, I think there'd be a few teams willing to take the gamble. Or at least a few teams willing to say, you know, we don't need a first. Man, let's let's do a second, and and we'll we'll make the swap. It's fine. Um, but it's the forty-seven million next year that makes this 
almost impossible, right? And that's why we say let's just wait till the offseason because then it's an expiring contract. It's a huge one, but it's an expiring contract, and teams are very willing to take on expiring contracts. Um, so, yeah, I think you're, you're right in that it's it's now – it's not – trade him it's not how do we build around him it's time to figure out how do we win with him as a part of it not how do we win with him as the focal point is how do we win with him existing on the roster if you're rob palenka and the rockets call you up on thursday thursday morning your phone rings and it's the rockets and they say hey john wall he's healthy he's been training in miami and that's legit he's been training in miami he hasn't been with the Rockets. He's been training in Miami. He's healthy. He's ready to go. You've heard from Rich Paul, Clutch Sports, right? John Wall's Clutch Sports guy, that John Wall is at 100%. And the Rockets say, okay, Wall for Russ, and we don't want you first, but give us a second. What do you do? A second? One second? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. That that's yeah. I'm I'm there because again, Wall is not a better player than Russell Westbrook. He's just like maybe a five percent better fit. And to me, one second round pick is equal to a five percent better fit. If it was if it was two second round, would you draw the line then? Two is probably like the absolute like I would really grab. That's like on the line okay. to me. Like we're drawing the line somewhere. I think two seconds is like, that's the line and you need to decide whether that's like worth it or not. That that's the line. One second. I think, yes, you do it. Anything more than two seconds. Absolutely not. Two seconds is the, is the, is the one where it's like, "Mm, maybe I don't know. Like let's just flip a coin and decide. (laughs) Uh, It'll be interesting to see. Like I, I'm not expecting Westbrook to get moved. I don't know that John Wall... Again, I think the Lakers are now in a situation where, as ironic as it is, because of Malik Monk's emergence, because you're now asking Malik Monk to handle the ball and pick and roll late in games, and you already have LeBron, what you really need at the other guard spot isn't even necessarily a John Wall. What you other, what you need at the other guard spot is a Contavious Caldwell-Pope, a Danny Green, a, I mean, a Ron Harper, a Derek Fisher, a 3 and D guard. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Have it helped me, but like a Patrick Beverly. Oh, that didn't feel good. Um, you've got all of these different options that that really would probably fit better, even than a John Wall. But just if you're you're talking about in terms of fit, maybe that is 
something that you look at. Now, again, it would take the Rockets saying, okay, it's worth it. And maybe Russ being willing to accept a buyout for the Rockets and, and all of these things. So I'm not expecting us to go there. I think it's far-fetched. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's the only thing that's out there on the market. If the Lakers decide we have to move Russ, the Rockets appear to be the only game in town. Yeah, you know, I think the Knicks, you know, the people have been mentioning the Knicks uh, for what? Like <laughs> they, they just saw I don't his know. worst game. They just saw it like right in front of them. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't just, I, you know, you said it was the worst game of the season. Um, I I wouldn't hesitate to say it might have been one of the worst games of his career. Uh, he He was really, really bad against the Knicks. Like that's. It was incalculably bad. Um, he was a minus 15 in 29 minutes. Taylor Horton Tucker, who played the other 24 minutes, like they never shared the floor. He played the other 24 minutes. He was a plus 22. And he didn't even play well. THD had two points, like three rebounds and two assists. Like he didn't even play well. He just played the non-Russ minutes and was a plus 22. Like it's, it was really, really, really bad. Um, so that, yeah, it's tough. The Knicks are probably not interested anymore if they ever were. Sean Davis, who does film breakdowns for us, I assigned him the job of doing a film breakdown of Russell Westbrook's defense and, and to really pinpoint, because a lot of times we miss what's bad about a player's defense, particularly when they're off the ball. Same reason why a lot of people didn't fully understand how good Alex Caruso was defensively because it's hard to watch a guy off the ball. Our, our, our eye is naturally drawn to the basketball. So off ball, we, we tend to miss stuff like that. So I assigned that to him. So that's a video that we're going to have coming out. And he was texting me. Like, I almost feel like I've traumatized him at this point because I've made him watch so much Russell Westbrook defense, particularly from that game. It was really, really, really bad. So, I mean, getting back to our main point, I don't see the Knicks as a real option because they just saw in front of them what Russ has to offer. And I can't imagine them saying, yes, I want that. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want that for sure. But yeah, it's this is this is the situation the Lakers have put themselves in. And it goes back to Rob Palenka and, and the Lakers front office, Jeannie Buss, making this kind of big decision to say, you know, last season we went for quality role players that are younger and it failed and instead of sticking with the same process which was the correct process uh they said you know what it didn't work we're blowing it up and we're going for stars stars win games and while the thought behind you know stars win games is correct stars do win games it it needs to be the right stars it it can't just be anyone who's been an all-star that that's not how team building works so that's kind of the issue they had in the offseason. Uh, they they forgot that you need quality role players to win in the NBA. I, I know the Bucks had Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Chris Middleton, but they got really good minutes from, you know, you know Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis types uh, in the playoffs last year, and that's how they were able to win. And the Lakers don't really have that. Yeah, that's, again, I mean, going back to what the Lakers did in the offseason, they sacrificed a lot of their depth in order to get Russell Westbrook, hoping that he would give you so much firepower that it would overcome not having that depth. It just hasn't worked out that way. Hasn't. So I have a question mm -hmm. for you. This is a, this is you, you know, you gave me the hypothetical, the Rockets call, you know, they do this. Here's mine to you. Here's my, my fake call. 
It's Thursday morning, and Troy Weaver of the Detroit Pistons calls you. And he says, okay, I've heard all the rumblings. We've had 30 conversations about how you're going to give me THT none in the first for Jeremy Grant. I've said no 30 times. I appreciate that you stopped calling. But I'm willing to reopen the talks. But I need Austin Reeves. Now what do you say? The same deal. You just add Austin Reeves and you get Jeremy Grant. If I were the if I were if I were Rob, you're Rob. My answer would be no, and here's why. Here's why, and this is this would take a little bit of working the phones and finding out information. If I'm Rob, I'm out on Jeremy Grant, and this is why, because from what we've heard, and I would need to confirm that this is in fact true. What we've heard is that Jeremy Grant does not want to be the third or fourth option on a team. He doesn't want that. And that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. He's been the first option on the Pistons. If he says, look, I understand I might get traded. I really don't want to go back to being the fourth option on a team somewhere. I'm not interested in doing that at all. I I feel like my game, whatever it is, whatever his reasoning is, he doesn't want to do that. That's the role on the Lakers. At best, at best, he would be the third option on the Lakers. And if he says, I don't want to do that, that's not where I want to be. That's not where I want my career to go. Then you know, you know that he's not going to sign that extension with you. And he's probably leaving, not this summer, but he's a free agent the next summer. He probably leaves at that point. Now, maybe that following summer, LeBron, maybe he sails off into the sunset, Lakers roster has turnover, all of that. Maybe that changes. But most likely, he's not going to sign that extension with you. So then you're looking at potentially moving him. And then while you've got him, you've got a player who's not happy in his role. Jeremy Grant is good. I like Jeremy Grant's skill set. He is a great fit. But if the word that you're getting is, I don't want to be there because I feel like this is is me, my game, taking a step back, then I don't want him. Then I don't want him because that's going to create more problems for you down the line. That's that's the way I would approach that if I'm Rob Link. It's not so much about Austin Reeves. It's about that particular mindset from Jeremy Grant, and it's totally okay. It's totally okay for him to feel that way. If that's how he feels, I'm not making the deal to go get him. Okay. No, that's completely fair. And I think, I guess my follow-up would be, what if it's the exact same conversation, but it's Harrison Barnes now? The Kings say, we hate, we don't want to play ball with you, but we'll play ball if it's THD, Nunn, the first, and Austin Reeves, then we'll give you Harrison Barnes. I think you're listening. I think that you're you're trying to negotiate there and you try to soften that a little bit, a little bit, because Barnes is a little bit older than, than Jeremy Grant, but I do think he's a great fit and he'd be a great fit moving forward. So I would definitely get involved in that negotiation process because you know Harrison Barnes, He's if he's the fourth option, he's fine. If he has to be the second option, he's fine. That's where I think, that's where I think you start to, you really dig deep into, into that situation. Yeah, he's he's the exact type of role player the Lakers need where it's like, I don't care where you play me or how you play me. I'm just going to give you what I give everyone. That's that's how he plays. Um, it's why he was so successful in Golden State. Like that's that's just what he does. And it's why he's been successful with the Kings, even though that organization is is a mess. Uh, he's been successful because that's just the way he plays basketball. So that's yeah, that's one that I consider. Although, yeah, Austin Reeves, you throw him in there. Now you're talking about. You're talking about a, a trade package that feels like kind of a lot yeah. now. 
Yeah, and that's where you got to be careful if you're the Lakers. Because again, teams are going to try to take advantage of you. You have to be able to draw the line somewhere. And that's going to be important as well. For as much as you need to, you need to do something. You also have to be careful that that something doesn't actually set you back. So it's going to be an interesting trade deadline for the Lakers. As always, they're going to be in the thick of things. Rob Palenka leaves no stone unturned. I'm sure they're talking to everybody. Something may come of this. My belief heading into the trade deadline, I've said this a bunch of times, I think ultimately what the Lakers wind up doing is making a move that frees up a roster spot. And that might mean sending a DeAndre Jordan, somebody like that, to the Thunder who have a bunch of cap space open. It's well known that they're going to take on contracts and you you give up, you pay some cash or you give up a second or something. They do something to free up a roster spot and then use that in the buyout market. I think that is the most likely move we see the Lakers make on Thursday, but it won't be for a lack of trying. I think they're going to try to get something done around the pieces that they've got, but if they can't, I would expect to see them make a move to free up a roster spot. Yeah, I think that's the most likely thing. Kent Bazemore, uh, DeAndre Jordan, Wayne Ellington, one of one or more of those three probably gets shipped off just to free up some roster spots. You then wait for a buyout for guys like Paul Millsap, um, Eric Gordon, Eric, uh, Eric Bledsoe, even if the Blazers are motivated to do that for any reason. Um, yeah, you just kind of see what happens there. But yeah, this this is a trade deadline that's probably going to be quieter than than most fans would want. But it won't be quiet for other teams, so stick around for that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Lakers Nation, give us your thoughts in the comments section down below. Uh, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, if you are listening to the podcast version of this, make sure that you do follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Hopefully we we broke everything down. Obviously, we've talked for a while now, breaking down all the different things the Lakers can do. Their options are somewhat limited, but again, they're going to do what they can. Try and get something done. Let's see if they can get it done by that Thursday deadline. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.